Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I want to welcome Pam Stambo today with me uh, here at Back to Basics. Besides being the founder and CEO of Accountability Pace, Pamela is a behavioral change master in leadership development, an international trainer, an executive coach, and most importantly to me, one of my co-authors in the book, Women in Business Leading the Way. Hello, Pam, and welcome to Back to Basics. Hello, Leticia, and thank you for this opportunity no, to talk with you. Oh, please. I'm super excited. As you know, I've had other sisters from our book on the podcast already. I'm doing a Pink Shoe series with all of you because I, I really believe you are all amazing. So I'm very happy to have the opportunity to chat with you today. It's a fabulous, fabulous. We Pink Shoe sisters have really created a phenomenon, haven't we? Absolutely. Who knew? Who knew that a pink shoe would go so far? <laughs> yes. And you know, our book, thank, thank God, it's doing good. It's a number one Amazon bestseller now. And more and more, I get people asking about it. We've been on interviews. So what a better platform to inspire other people, because that's the purpose of this podcast. And I mean, with your background and Plus 30 years training people, developing people, assisting them, and, and what is more importantly, creating a lifestyle that you enjoy, as you say in your book, is something really admirable. I think you're definitely someone to look up to. Right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you and very much. I enjoy your uh, your chapter a lot. And obviously, I try not to give away too much so people go out there and get the book and, and learn more about <laughs> us. But, you know, I always enjoy, and that's why these podcasts really exist, is the journey, you know, how you've gotten to be where you are, how you've gotten to be in, in a place where you're happy with your life and where you can share that happiness with others. I love that you call your chapter, It Takes a Village. I definitely believe so. And I want to learn about, you know, the village that helped you be where you are. So uh, let's just go to the basics. Where are you from? How was your childhood? Tell us a little bit about that. And what were you passionate about? I always like to learn about, you know, little Pam and what you enjoy as a, as a little kid. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yes, I grew up mostly in Wyoming. Uh, my father was an Episcopal minister and a psychologist, started out as psychologist and then became a minister. And for all of my growing up years, I was the first child and the girl. So you could say that I really took the, I was the, my father's child, right? I was, I was, he was the apple of my eye and I was his favorite, but he wouldn't necessarily say that to everyone. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> yeah, and my mother was an amazing woman. I mean, she she taught all sewing and home ec and everything about the home. She was just really creative. And at the end of the day, 
over her life. She did a lot of writing of poetry and books and, and, you know, just loved the creative uh, aspects of, of uh, writing. And, and uh, so they were, they were pretty great parents, I got to say. And then along came child number two, who was a little boy and then child number three, which was a girl, and then child number four, which was a girl. So I was the oldest of four. And we were three years apart, three, six, nine, and 12. And I have to say, I never had children of my own. And I told my mother I was never going to have children. And she said, oh, how selfish of you. But you know, that was back in the day when there was <laughs> no way not to have children, right? There <laughs> about that. <laughs> well, if you were taking care of your siblings, I don't, you know, like I pro you probably were done younger than most people say, I've yeah, been there, exactly. done that. <laughs> <laughs> I always said I'd already raised four by the time I was 18. So, <laughs> enough <point>. already. <laughs> yeah. And so you were obviously full of responsibility early on. And, yes. uh, and and leadership in a way, because you were called to lead your siblings into, I guess, their daily lives. Yeah, it's really true. I My company name is Accountability Pays. <laughs> so I guess you could say maybe it was the lesson I needed to learn, or maybe it was the one that I brought with me. But I, I would say that the apple didn't fall far from the tree because my father was someone who cared about people. My siblings are all teachers and nurses. And I was the one that went into business. So I kind of became the black sheep of the family because they were all in the service industries thinking that I had, you know, gone off the, off of my rocker. But what I wanted to do was support leaders and being the best leaders that they could be. That motivated me. And a funny story I'll tell you, Leticia, I don't remember if I put it in the book, but I think I did that my father, when I said I wanted to go into business and we were talking about college, he said, fine, then I'll send you to a secretarial school. Uh. <laughs> well, that wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> I can relate to that. Some of our parents, they have the best, they're well meant and intentioned, but it's uh, the whole, you know, stereotype and men and, and women thing going on, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was back in the day. So I went and got an English literature education degree and I taught school for four years and then I went and got my MBA. <laughs> wow. So you kind of made him happy for a little while and then you, I did, you yeah. went on. But would you say that you were very clear early on into what what you wanted to do and what you were passionate about? Yeah, I was passionate about business. That's what I wanted to do. It was always what I wanted to do. I was fascinated by it. I, I thought it was important and that, and it drew me. That's fantastic. I always say that it's great when you see and when, when I have guests that saw it very early on what they wanted to, to be and they pursue it. And, and you see them now, they're most of them very fulfilled, very happy. They created the life they wanted. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, you also see the other stories where, you know, people that didn't know, they didn't have a clue, and then they have to really carve out, you know, the, into their hearts that idea and see what is that I want to be. After 30 years into one direction, they just go and completely reshuffle the entire thing. And I mm -hmm. guess that's what you, you're there to do, right? You're there to help other people find that path. Yes, and, and very much associated with uh, technologies that 
help people find their career based on what they're interested in, to look at that uh, seriously. I don't think we look early enough, Letitia, in schools. I don't think we evaluate what might you be when you grow up young enough in schools. We have a technology that actually helps to make that happen. But I think at, at, at 11, at 12, you think about it, your, your little boys are all fire trucks and police cars and you know, they're looking at that stuff. And the little girls are into their their nursing things. And right, there's just this this sort of standard that we're starting to put in place consciously or unconsciously that may or may not be the place that they end up. Oh my God, it's interesting you mentioned that because not too long ago before this whole pandemic started, I think one of the last things I did, it was uh, probably late February, I was invited to speak at a high school and I, I love to, you know, I do mentoring and I try to mentor young women into STEM uh, professions and telecom. But, you know, this was just high school, you know, people, seniors, and especially a, a group of young women. And they had like a four professionals talking to them about their careers, etc. And the one thing that caught my attention when I asked, what do you want to be? I swear, 90% of them answer nurse, a nurse. And that caught my attention because you say it and it makes sense that they would want to go for that. But when I was there in the midst of it and every single girl that I'm talking to answers the same thing, it really shocked me. And mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that I found interesting and that I could relate, can relate to you in your chapter is that when they were asking me, well, how is it to be a CEO and why are you a CEO and all that? I, I tried to steer them away from the position and I said, don't think about the job. Don't think about the daily activities. Think about what kind of life you want to have. Because mm -hmm. if you're someone that enjoys traveling and you want to be a nurse, that's going to be a problem because that profession really doesn't go that well with someone that likes to explore and visit the world. And honestly, I, I felt a few aha moments, not in all of them. Some of them, you know, were like, I'm not even speaking, you know, the <laughs> young, young people. But some of them, they were really approaching it from a different angle, like, oh, you're right. Yeah, that maybe not be the right thing. And, and you talk a lot about that in, in your oh. book about envision your life and what kind of life you want to have. Yes. Can yes. you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think a lot of people don't think about that. Uh, hard enough. So I I love working from home, and it's very interesting that now we have this whole virtual world of work. Some people are suited to it, and some are not. But I've been working from home for thirty years, at, with the exception of a couple of years when I had an office inside a building where my client was. But beyond, I didn't really spend that much time there. So some people are suited to being able to work from home, and others not. And we can actually, with the assessment that I, that I work with, we can actually assess that and give that information. In fact, we're about to make it available for free, believe it or not, for virtual leaders and virtual workers, because it matters. Some people just thrive and can be self-motivated and, and take care of themselves. For me, the, t the part it takes a village is that you, you, nobody gets anything done alone. Right. We just don't. It's team that makes things happen. And some people are more inclined toward team. Some people are more inclined to work independently. But even if they're working independently, uh, chances are if they're in any kind of organization, I don't care if it's a school or a church, 
church or whatever, their work is going to have an impact on others. And so for me, when I say it takes a village, I really mean as an entrepreneur, I had to learn that who who could I go to to be open and vulnerable and find out what I don't know that I might need if I if I if I could see that I needed it, I could ask for it. And that was huge. Yeah, I can see that. And, and, and that relates a little bit with something else you mentioned in your chapter, that by nature, you're not an extrovert. You, you consider yourself more of an introvert. Yes, yes. So the driver for me of getting out there and getting in the world was that I also have a huge drive to make a difference, right? I mean, I think I got that from my dad and my mom, too. You know, that if I'm going to contribute, I can't do it by sitting at home by myself. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of years when I first started where I would produce a lot of stuff, but it didn't get out there. And I realized, oh, my gosh, if I'm going to make the difference I can make, I have to be willing to get in front of people uh, and share, share myself. And then there were villages where I could be fed. Right. And there were there were people, combinations of people or organizations where I could get my own energy back up to go out and do it again. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I don't know. I am a big advocate. Anybody that listens to my podcast knows this, but uh, I'm a big fan of Seth Godin. I don't know if you're familiar with, I am it, too. with his. Yeah. I am too. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, he always says, find your tribe. And from the moment he said it, and, you know, it's hard to kind of understand when you first hear that, you're kind of like, what does he mean? But then, you know, even this podcast is a result of a Seth Godin Inspire uh, workshop. And then I found my podcasting tribe and it has been a fantastic experience because it's all people that that didn't have a podcast when we started and we went through that journey for two two months of creating the podcast and supporting each other. And I remember saying, wow, I can say I'm a podcast host and no one's laughing. Like people are like taking you seriously. But if you tell your friends that, they're going to laugh because they say, since when are you going to become a podcast host? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I definitely think there's a lot of value in what you say of finding that village and, and that you do have several villages that then you go back to regularly to get your energy back up. Yeah, um, I mean, so one of, one of my villages is Landmark Education, doing the work it takes to be to transform myself so that I can be with myself. And then another realization I came to recently is I'm doing a Monday midday pep talk for uh, virtual leaders of virtual teams, just a half hour, which I wouldn't, it's not a podcast, it's more of a, you know, what are your challenges and what have you discovered that works? sharing experience. And I'm really creating a village there. I'm creating a village of people who don't know one another, but now I'm creating a mastermind environment where they can spend a skinny little half hour at noon on Mondays. And, uh, and gosh, there's just a lot coming out of it. That's fantastic. I think yeah. that's uh, one of the positives that's going to come out of this uh, experience and these tough pandemic times is people are yep. finally like looking around. Like I think there's people that naturally like you and maybe me and others that, you know, we normally look around and, and see what else can we do. 
But there's others that they get so immersed in their day-to-day, in their normal jobs. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people being furloughed, being laid off. And, yes. and that forces you that, you know, drastic change forces, drastic measures. And that's when I started listening to people, oh, I'm going to be part of this seminar. I'm going to be part of this class. And that it's a, in a way, it's a little sad that it has to come boil to this, like when you're pushed to it. But the important thing is that you do it and that you realize that there's a million opportunities out there. Totally. Yes. Just and, and, and then some that haven't even been thought of or created. It's just so easy. Uh, to look around if you broaden your your scope, right? Because to make a difference, you have to be in association with other people. And some people need others to make a difference with them, and some are drawn to make a difference. And there's no right or wrong about that. There's just, let's find those two pieces and put them together. I love it. And you talk a lot about uh pivoting also as being one of the key ingredients to success. And I think that there's a lot of truth there. In times where people are really having to do just that, what would be, you know, your the wisdom you want to share with people in terms of how to pivot or, or the importance of doing it? Well, the first place is to, is to get the context. Like, what is the context that you're bringing to the situation. Are you bringing the context that there's something wrong here? It's so easy to go there in a a pandemic moment to say, gosh, this is not right. It shouldn't be. But if you chose a context that was empowering, you could say, well, yeah, actually, this is just what life is right now. And it's giving me an opportunity to look around and see things differently than I've seen them before. And what do I see when I look with different eyes? What do I see when my attitude is open and reflective rather than there's something wrong here and it needs to be fixed and I'm not moving uh, because the world has to move to fit my picture? It never does. But some people bring suffering onto themselves. And I don't think we, I don't think any of us escape that, that that happens because it's part of how we are, how we roll as human beings is, you know, the first reaction is, wait a minute, I, I, I know my world, I constructed my world, it's my world, and who's messing with my world? But then when you get out of your head <laughs> and center and go to a new view, then something is possible that wasn't possible before. I love that. Getting out of your head and, and, and becoming a new you or being a new you. I think there's a lot of that that's going to go on now. Yes. And, and that's one of the exciting things, I think, that we never planned for our book to come out during this time. That's the truth. Yes. We had planned something very different. But yet, you know, everything happens for a reason. And somehow I feel that our book is becoming more relevant in terms of giving I would say people in general, of course, we, we call, it's called women in business leading the way, but I always say that it's written and the more chapters I've read, we really think, I really think we wrote it for men and women. I don't want people to think that, oh, that yeah. this is a book just geared to women. Yeah, it gives practical advice for, you know, some, some of the circumstances that as women fall into, but it's really uh, ap- applicable to, to anybody. Yes, it is. And we are a village, right? We have become this little pink shoe sisterhood. 
Absolutely. That's a village. Absolutely. And, 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 and in your chapter, if anybody's out there that is considering being an entrepreneur, I mean, you give such, it's just full of energy in terms of, you know, like, okay, you read it and, and, and I'm an entrepreneur. It's almost like thinking, what else can I start after I read your, <laughs> your chapter? It's just like, okay, this is great. Anything is possible. Right. So what's up for you? Yeah. What's next for you? Is there anything I always, you know, towards the end of the interview, I ask what makes you tick? I am always very curious about, you know, in times where things have not been that good and you, we all have had our challenges and we all have been brought down where you have that day that you say, is this worth it? Is this do I keep going on? How do you gain back your energy? What What is it that you do to get those butterflies, as I call it, and, and get ticking again and get excited again? Yeah, we all have that. I, that's for sure. So my mother had a saying that I rely on heavily, and that is the difference between hope and despair is a good mm, night's sleep. That's a good one. So you can bet I get, I, I really prioritize my sleep. You know, I just don't, I just don't uh, not get my sleep. What's, uh, what's coming to me and what I've been working on for the last couple of years is how do I take all of these experiences and this knowledge that I've acquired over this period of time and the gifts that I've been given and that, that I could teach others? How can I find that legacy partner? I actually think I may have found that legacy partner. We're certainly dancing in the conversation. But how can I pass this on? Because the lifestyle business that I've had has been great for me. And it's enabled me to do travel. And you want to talk about travel. I've done a ton of traveling. I was in Washington, D.C. when the towers were hit, right? And it took me seven years, seven, uh, seven, <laughs> seven days to get out of there. And, uh, and that was a bus trip and a whole bunch of inconveniences. And it was a frightening thing. And I did retreat back into my shell at that point and stayed in San Diego for the next many years, not wanting to go out on the road and speak and train around the world. But for me right now, the pivot is to uh, identify someone who could take my legacy and move it to, to the rest of the world and, and be willing and able to do that. Um, that's what's exciting me right now is turn it well, over. Well, it sounds exciting. It sounds like you're turning it over yourself because as technology also comes into play, you have a lot more tools to make sure that legacy, you know, is well implemented and it benefits more people. And and all you're yeah. doing, like even now with, you know, the Zooms and, and all that. And, and I'm like you a little bit in, in the same boat that I, I, I go to an office, but I, I am a road warrior. I work from wherever I am, as long as I have my computer. People know this. I, I spend the summers in Italy. I don't know about this summer. <laughs> a little <laughs> uncertain <laughs> but but I remember my uncle out there always makes fun of me because he sees me with my computer all the time and I tell him well the reason why I can spend two months here is because I'm always connected and I, I, I you know it's a choice you make I always say it's either this with a glass of wine next to me and enjoying with you while I yeah. do my emails or not coming. So I choose to come. And yeah. now right. the other day I FaceTime yeah. with him the for the first time. <laughs> 
And I say, now you appreciate technology, right? And he's like, well, yeah, I have to say, <laughs> now I understand you better. And so, you know, yeah. I think now we're going to capitalize on all these tools that we've had. And, and some people have resisted for good or for bad. You know, it's anything that it's abused. Technology, when it's abused, is also not a good thing. But we are living in a unique moment, and, and that's exciting. Yes, it is. It oh, is. Totally. This is fantastic. Well, Pam, I want to give you an open microphone to say anything that you want to share, any final thoughts, anything that you wanted to touch upon that we didn't. I know you're full of wisdom, so I know we could keep talking for hours. <laughs> but is there, uh, is there anything well, anything yes. interesting that you want to share? So I, I would go back to the, the reason that I popped right out when Tara said, what do you want to write about? I, I immediately said it because it's true. It takes a village. And that's true more now than ever, right? It doesn't have to be, a, a, be in the same room village. We're finding that out. We can have a village. As a matter of fact, uh, we, I have a group of friends uh, that's a large enough group that sometimes people come and sometimes people don't. But we, we share dinner and inspirational conversations every Friday night, and I host those. I've been using Zoom for several years. So although some of the features I'm getting used to that I never used to use, uh, I've, been, I've been working with virtual clients for a long time. And, and they're still a part of my, my community, right? And so I'm building a village of managers, of people who are remote, who are, fact is we just, I pivoted on the word remote. It's really virtual because the adjective remote has a, a, an implication to it that's not positive. So although I've been saying remote workers up until today, I got notified that the noun remote is fine, but the adjective remote implicates someone who's distancing by choice. And that's really not mm -hmm. what we have here. Virtual. Interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Well, definitely, I think that anybody that reads the chapter that you wrote is going to enjoy it. It's going to get a ton of wisdom from coming from you and also positive energy to, to really go and do it. And it's funny because you also quoted that, and this is not a free plug. Well, it is a free plug for Nike. Just do it. You know how many of us, yeah. I don't know if you've read the whole book, but now it's at least four or five of us that have quoted it. That's how powerful that tagline is. And it's really the mindset yeah. of any entrepreneur is just do it. Just go and do it. We don't see a problem with just taking action. Right. Right. And and the beauty of that, Leticia, is that when you just take action, it means you're all right with failing. And we can't see to succeed if we can't fail. We have to be willing to to try something and find out if it'll work or not work. And the people who don't want to fail are the ones who are missing out on living a full life. Wow. Well, that's definitely a powerful note to end. So definitely thank you so much for being part of, of the podcast. And uh, I wish you the best of luck and stay safe. And, and you as well, Leticia. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's fun playing with you. Thank you, Pam. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. And until the next time. <laughs>